and welcome back to the In The Round podcast. Our first quarantine coronavirus episode, and it is going down on St. Patrick's Day here in 2020. And uh, you got Matt and Tyler, and we've got a guy with us. We've been jamming his new EP, Light Me Up, and uh, he's been crushing it. So good buddy, Sam Vargas. Sam, how the hell are you doing? I'm already having so much fun. <laughs> dude, <laughs> hell yeah. dude, this quarantine shit is crazy. Um, I'm about it. I'm about it. I literally was like, I'm gonna save so much money. <laughs> yeah, Honestly. I mean, I'm not making money, but also like, I'm not spending money. I bought yeah. MLB the show today yeah. because it came out, but like, I was like, full hundred dollar version or regular version. I'll go yeah. regular version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. And uh, Boudreaux brought some stuff from your native land of Kentucky. Yes. So what have we got there, Tyler? So uh, the one that me and him both picked out is the Wild Turkey Kentucky Spirit uh, Single Barrel. It is a bottle from November of 2019. Uh, barrel number 1903, and this is bottle number 30. What's up? The guy signed it? Yeah, so yeah. Jimmy Russell is the master distiller from Wild Turkey. He's him and his brother, right? Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. family. The whole, whole family, family does yeah. it, but like him and his brother are like the two master distillers. Like they are the face of Wild Turkey. Um, and yeah, whenever I went uh, a couple months ago to the uh, distillery, he was sitting there in the welcome center and he was like, Hey, if you buy a bottle, like I'll sign it for you. So of course I didn't go for the cheap shit. I went for <laughs> yeah. the most expensive one they had, except for, I want the old school Kentucky spirit bottle. Oh, you mean the, the circle one that has like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. On? That, that looks like a Turkey tail yeah. kind of. Yeah. 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 That's the one I want. And I was kind of like upset that they didn't have it there, but I was like, you know what? Like I'm still not going to go cheap. Well, I just have to say how proud I was. Whenever I walked in here, because you had a signed Kentucky Spirit signed by Jimmy Russell, and you were just like, "It's already open." Yeah, it's not. And I was just so excited. I was like, no, it's not made to be fucking looked at. It's no, like, no, it's bourbon. It's, it. it's meant. It's meant for y'all to care enjoy. Whose name on it? Like, I'm drinking it. Cheers, by yeah. the way. We haven't done that. Cheers. Yet. Hey, I got, I got yeah. my glass. I got my glass of water. We're gonna be be hammering out a few episodes today. So it's gonna be a long day. But uh, <laughs> Sam, dude, so you're from Kentucky. Yes. How long have you been living in Nashville? And you said something about Texas. Um, I've been in Nashville two, two and a half years. Um, and then I went to school in Austin just to kind of be close to a music scene. And Austin was rowdy as hell. You Texas? Yeah, UT. And then, um, after that I spent like, just like a split second in Dallas with my family and then went back to my hometown and then to Nashville. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice, dude. So what was the Texas scene like? Cause your music, we... We immediately got those like Rustin Kelly kind of like that those vibes of that what's that what's what's going on out out that way out out, yeah. out in the Midwest. Um, what was being in that Texas scene like, especially as a young guy going to college? Yeah, so Texas was rowdy. Texas is like I, I always say this about Austin. Like if if Nashville's the first born like music scene city, then. Austin's definitely like the troubled middle child that does not have its shit together, but is really, really fun to be yeah. around. So there's a less of an. And who's the youngest child then? I just had this yesterday. Who was it? Um, I'll use Louisville. I think Louisville's a baby music city for sure. I mean, there's, yeah. there's other ones with the bigger scenes, but I'm gonna keep. It, I'm gonna keep it in the family. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then uh, it's there's not a lot of as much industry there's actually is very little music industry in austin um but there's just so much of that in like in a community and obviously got like south by southwest and um austin city limits r.i.p yeah right hey, dude how crazy is that so i was being... supposed to go down there and play it yeah really it was gonna be my wow. first time playing this year and i was so excited because it was right down on sixth street and I've oh been, wow yeah that's great i've been trying to get back to sixth street for four years now solely because of a burger there is a burger Tell on 6th Street called Casino El Camino. It sounds and delicious. I would stake anything that it's the best burger anybody's ever had. So if our shows hold up, our next show's in Austin. Okay. Yeah. We have to go. Literally, so I was in a frat whenever I was going through um, college there, and this this burger bar sat at the end of uh, end of all the, like, kind of like their Broadway. Yeah. And they wouldn't let us in. Because all my friends looked too preppy. <laughs> like, this bar wouldn't let any, like, frat news in. So I would have to go in because I had our long camo hair. Crocs. Yeah, yeah, camo, basically. Yeah, yeah, camo Crocs when we go to, we go to Anton's. Like, yep. no, no PFGs allowed in this fucking place. It was like a biker <laughs> bar. And so I would go in with my long hair, and I would order, like, six or seven burgers at, like, 2 a.m. 
come back out and just give them to like my buddies. We all just sit on the sidewalk and eat burgers and go home. But best place in the entire world. I love those burgers. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely gonna have to check that out when we're in Austin. What's it called? Casino El Camino. What's the best burger? The Amarillo. But also, close rival is the Buffalo. Either way, get the Buffalo bun. But also, especially if you if you boys like this stuff, um, I'm holding up bourbon, by the way. Um, check out Friedman's. Friedman's Barbecue. So you know about like Franklin's Barbecue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had Salt Lick. Franklin says that, um, let me get this right. Franklin says that Friedman's does better ribs. Either they, like he has better ribs or he has better brisket. But it's definitely the best bourbon bar. Ooh. And it's built in like this old stone building right by campus. I went to a, uh, so with you being from Texas, I'm not sure if they had them like in your part, but have you ever heard of Whiskey Cake? Mm-mm. Dude, there's a place, they're in Houston, I know, because me and my girlfriend always go, and uh, they have, literally it's just a wall of nothing but like bourbon and whiskey. Like, they have a book that they hand you that's like a regular size like menu, that's like 12 point font for like two and a half pages of whiskey and bourbon. That's what we like to see. Yeah. That's what we like to see. Like all your scotch that you want. They have like Blanton's that they like pick out. Like oh, they have barrels that they like go. That sounds crazy. They look, <laughs> that sounds yeah. delicious. There's also another place I ate in, uh, shoot, where was it? It was uh, in Kentucky. Uh, Frankfurt maybe? Yeah. Um, I forget where it was, but it was a little hole in the wall we just walked into, and they like had like, I forget who all it was. Uh, I want to say it was Knob Creek, um, Woodford, mm-hmm. Wild Turkey, and there was another one that I didn't recognize really, but they had like personal barrels for them. That's the best thing in the world, man. Like, yeah. there's nothing cooler than getting go and pick out a barrel of whiskey. There's a I used to work at this bar in town called a 404, which is the uh, biggest and best bourbon bar in the southeast. And uh, they still like will invite me to go pick up. Barrels Hell yeah, dude! That's awesome. So, it's so sick. one last story about bourbon before yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> before we get on with the podcast. So whenever I went, obviously I went for my birthday. We did uh, Jim Beam, uh, Buffalo Trace. Uh, what's this one? On this Jim Beam, yeah. uh, <laughs> Wild Turkey, um, Woodford Makers, mm-hmm. Four Roses, and uh, what's the other big one? Bullet. Mm-hmm. We did all seven of those. Uh, me and my girlfriend did, and that was my birthday like extravaganza. So like it was a, a hell of a way. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. We oh, did we, it in three yeah, days. Yeah, and we had a we had a Boudreaux B Day bash here in Nashville too. We oh, talked about that after rough. them. Yeah, oh, it was a rough. Co Wetzel was in town, and we were and those guys were those those guys. I lost color. count at like 10, 8, 10 p.m. about eighteen to twenty one. Knob Creeks deep. Bourbon binging <laughs> is. It's is a different it, level. interesting because you hit a threshold but, where you can keep on going. But, yeah, I was about to say, I hit like 18 to 21 and I lost count, and that was at 10, and I know I was drinking till 2. Yeah. I, I didn't take Tyler home that night, and I drove him up there. So that, that tells you. Yeah, he there's made, the long made, story that we won't talk about over mic <laughs> yeah. right now. So anyway. So but you, anyways. So you moved to Nashville two and a half years ago. Yep. Hey, I wasn't done with my story oh, you done? Keep talking about the damn whiskey. Okay. It is St. Patty's Day after all. Last thing. Actually, two things, because there's a fun St. Patty's Day fact. But uh, whenever we were at Jim Beam, they're like, who's birthday? celebrating anything? I'm like, yeah, I'm celebrating my birthday. And they're like, cool. So we go over to the Knob Creek part. And he goes, since it's your birthday, come here. Mm-hmm. So I came in there, and you got to, like, dump out the barrel. Like, you got to uncork it, dump it out, Hot. watch it go through. And then he's like, do you want a bottle of this? And I was like. And he like poured out a glass and he's like, Do you want to bottle this? And I stuck my finger in and I was like, Yeah, it was a 2005 barrel. Ooh, yeah. Fuck me up. Yeah. So got to watch the bottling process and all. And at the end, they, you know, wax it. Mm-hmm. And then I got to put my thumbprint in it. No shit, dude. So now I have that bottle at home unopened because okay. I'm saving that one for a very, like, what? Very special occasion. I don't know yet, but like something big and. How about the, the end th- of the world, dude? I bet you just crack it open. Right freaking now. <laughs> well, it's it's about 10 miles away from here, oh, so yeah. we're good. Damn, it dude. is safe. Yeah. So, also, second yeah. fact for St. Patty's Day, real quick. Do you know that, uh, I think it's Woodford. No. Yeah, I think it's Woodford um, or Wild Turkey. It's one of those two. Um, Jameson, the popular uh, Irish 
whiskey buys all their bottles direct from them. So for all their barrels, all their barrels. Yeah. Cause for bourbon, it has to be the first time use, but then for other whiskey, you can use it. It's either five more times or a hundred years, whichever comes so first. It's, so it's Woodford. So, um, yeah, Brown, it is Brown Woodford. Foreman owns, uh, Woodford and Brown Foreman is one of the largest exporters of barrels. Yes. So all, all of their, there's a 0%, uh, like a 0.1% waste at all Brown Foreman distillers. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I used to work at Jack Daniels. And that's the same barrel maker. It's okay. So uh, yeah. different cooperages sometimes, but yeah, all that goes over to Ireland and yep. Scotland. They buy them secondhand. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. The more you know, I will tell you what. I had to get out of drinking bourbon about three years ago, but when I when I drank it, I loved it. But I wish I could. It was funny. The I night of my birthday, it. I was like giving them like a TED talk in the bar of yeah. bourbon. It was funny. Oh, can, There's a can, funny video. This is, this is dangerous because I can nerd out about bourbon. We'll never ever touch music because I love talking about bourbon. Yeah. Also, I have to say. If I close my eyes, all I hear is Steve-O. And if I open my eyes, it's almost Steve-O talking to me. Hey, <laughs> all right, all right. Guess I got to go get my nuts pierced, right? Oh, that would be a good time. That'd be oh, some great content. Man. Oh, dude, definitely, definitely. No, man. But so two and a half years ago, you moved to Nashville. What yep. made you want to come from, so you said you went back to Kentucky and mm-hmm. then came down here. What? prompted the move to wanting to come here broke up with a band that had been on and off with for fuck nine ten years and uh i thought (laughs) basically considered myself a subpar musician but i knew i could write songs i was like i'm gonna go just do that in nashville i was like literally working in a um working in a grocery store at the time after going to college for an advertising degree interesting um and uh i mean hey it can pay off right yeah and yeah, and I was like, fuck it, going. I think I made the decision to move to Nashville and ended up in Nashville within seven days. Wow. Hell yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. So where in town were you living when you first moved here? Oh. Or did you bounce around quite a bit? No, it was bougie as shit. So oh. I was, <laughs> uh, I had some help moving to town and then I was also actually working two jobs when I moved to town. Okay. Who isn't here? Everybody was like, Oh, you should live in the Gulch. And I was like, sick. So <laughs> was in there and then out of there because that was expensive. Now I'm in East Nashville. Okay. Are you, yeah, are you good with all with all the stuff that went through and stuff? This is our first episode since, since the tornadoes. Tornado, it's crazy. In three weeks. Or in two weeks, however long yeah. it's fucking been. Uh it Tor- was two weeks yesterday. Yeah. Tornadoes, in coronavirus. Broadway Broadway's shuts closed. down, everybody loses their gigs. It's crazy. Yeah. So where were you when uh, that tornado came about through? About a quarter mile. So I'm like right up there by like Mickey's and the Y. Okay. So uh, it didn't touch us, um, but God, did it touch like, you know, so much. Like five points, squashed. Um, Attaboy had a really, really hard time of it. That's one of my favorite bars in town. Yeah. Well, that's um, where like the, mm-hmm. yeah. All, all, yeah. Some heavy, heavy stuff went yeah. down there. Um but it's also, you know, really cool, like, just the next day. Like, I, like there's so much bad stuff that happened, and whenever you drive down that street, it's just people helping each other. So, yeah. um, It was cool that, like, last Monday they called volunteers and said, hey, stop going out. Yep. Like, it's professional work now. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like, it's to the point where you can't do anything else. Like, we need to get power restored. But, yeah. but just how quickly people were out there the next day with chainsaws and trucks and getting after it and mm-hmm. – Really, why this is? I mean, we know people state. that was out that night trying to help. Yeah, yeah, you know, they so. got off their gig on Broadway, made sure their stuff was safe, and then they were like immediately trying to help others. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. but no, man, I'm glad you're safe with all that. Because now, being from Kentucky, living in Texas, did you? Was this your first tornado, or have you seen? Oh it no, man, my, I spent half my life in Missouri because that's where my mom's family's from. Okay. So. Yep. I, I loved tornadoes because it just like you're basically like camping out in the basement as a little kid. And I've never seen like one actually like touch down. So I remember I was uh, I wasn't at my house, but my uh, roommate was texting me. He's like, "Hey man, like, are we like what the hell's going on?" And I looked at the announcement and just said tornado warning. He's like, "That just means someone saw a funnel cloud. Don't worry about it." And then 15 minutes later, "Hey, can you go into my closet, get that Martin, and both of you all go into the basement? <laughs> but before you do, get my Martin." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. Jeez, yeah, dude, that was my first time experiencing a tornado, and we were—I mean, we're well enough south of town where mm. it didn't hit here, but still, just hearing the sirens and then going up the next day to East and going to Hermitage and going—we uh, didn't make it out to Mount Julia, but dude, just crazy times, man. So yeah. anyway, on the positive stuff, <laughs> the EP, man, congrats oh, yeah. on that. Thank dude. you so much. Twenty twenty, kicking yeah. off the year. Strong, huh? Yes. Um, releasing an EP 
the day after the tornado hits and trying to do an EP show the week of uh, Corona has proven to be interesting. However, I'm super stoked about it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> the EP is yeah, dude. So what was the process like of you getting in the studio and, and doing this thing, dude? About a year and a half process, actually. I came, uh, so William Stone's the mastermind behind this whole thing. He was the uh, producer, uh, main co-writer through the whole thing. If you like, we don't have any tangible copies right now, but if you looked at the album liners, it'd be like music and lyrics, Sam Vargo, William Stone, and then like two or three other writers, and then instruments like Sam Vargo, Will Stone, bass, drums, guitar, vocals, uh, keys, and then uh, Matt Clevern is a genius and he played pedal steel. So there's some great pedals still on that album, dude. The pedal steel level, he is a god, insane, yes. He, Matt Clevern is one of the most amazing musicians I've ever met. Amazing guy. That record would not be the same without That's him. something like I want to pick up his pedal still because oh, yeah. it's just those things to me just really pick at like my heartstrings. It, it's the saddest, most beautiful, badass instrument in the entire world. So we just knew from the get-go we wanted that to be like a vein, like literally going through the entire project. Yeah. And it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think next to like the vocal track that's the loudest voice on the record and i'm so okay with that yeah so okay with that we literally just wanted to go in and do like hey here's punk pop but with a pedal steel yeah that's the vibe that's really I, cool yeah. that's the vibe that we got from it because it's, yeah. it's you, those lyrics really cut deep and yeah. like i went emo af yeah dude and i actually on saturday my girlfriend broke up with me so you got a lot of breakup songs on there like, you got some, like, heavy... I wrote them for you. Dude, it, I think, honestly, I'm, <laughs> we were jamming today. I was like, oh, Tyler, look at this shit. Like, holy fuck. Yeah. And, dude, it's... My bad, it's man. What a, no, what a, dude, no, dude, it's all it's all good, but, like, you can feel something with, with the songs. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Just what, just from the music side of it to the lyrical side of it, just sonically, it's, it's, it's a cool EP. I wish you could do a whole fucking record. Honestly, I, ho- I hope I can too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, all, like, I, like, I, like, like, I wish there were even more songs than what's on there. Like, don't go in the now in this in this age. It's like singles and e- singles and then EPs and stuff. What made you want to go the EP route instead of just cutting all these singles? Because I didn't think I was going to release it. Really? Yeah. So whenever we started this a year ago, it was literally a project for me because I wanted to figure out if if I could and what would be my artist voice. And I got set up with my buddy, William Stone. He becomes one of my best friends. We were drinking at the Fox, and he was like, you want to do a record? I was like, I do want to do a record. He was like, and I just thought it was going to be an experiment. So we sat down uh, like a year and a half ago in summertime, and we mapped out the whole project. Every single one of those six songs changed. And so we scrapped that project, and then I ended up flying out to Los Angeles when he moved out there, and we did this whole EP minus two sessions afterwards in a, uh, less than a week. Like it was five or six days. Um, so I, as somebody that's engineered and produced something like that, that is rough sledding. That is hard to do. It honestly was a fucking breeze. Really? Like record tracking it. Now, whenever we got into mixing, I was so nitpicky. Yeah. Like I think that that poor son of a bitch, man, he <laughs> he we went through ten mixes on every song, and then we did ten masters. On every song. Yeah. So that's, I mean, shit, that's more than 16, like, And it's finals. like final mix, final mix, final mix one. one. Yep. Swear this is the final mix. This better be the final mix. This is the effing final mix. Maybe the final mix? I don't know. What yeah. about this? There's a point where I didn't <laughs> want to listen anymore because yeah. I didn't want to find anything, but he, he was awesome and pushed me to keep on going, and I, I there's they're perfect, and as far as I'm concerned, like what we did, I, I love all of them, yeah. So with writing that EP, like, Obviously, like his breakup songs and all. Like, where were you at whenever you wrote those songs? Like, super bummed out, man. Emo. <laughs> uh, Mayday's a straight depression song. Like I never left was me being pissed off at my hometown. Uh, when she falls was trippy. Yes, that's yeah. the one. That's the one. That's that my favorite bit. one, dude. Uh, I don't think a lot of my old, like older family members listen to this. So I'm at that point where I'm still like, do I tell the stories that like my little cousins might listen to? So when she falls was inspired by an acid trip. And <laughs> I was, I'd been getting these cues from the universe about like Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana. Like I'd be getting cut off by trucks, Bozeman, Montana, I'd be meeting people in airports, Bozeman, Montana, I'd be reading books, Bozeman, wow. Bozeman, Bozeman. I'm like, 
I'll get there. Took acid. <laughs> and they it was literally like, at the, like the trip was awful. Nothing cool happened. And then the end of this trip ended with Bozeman, Montana. So I was like, well, fuck me. I'm going. And I uh, booked a tour out there uh, by myself. And Hell yeah. 2,000 miles later, like, cause I didn't believe in epiphanies or any bullshit. I was like, hey, yeah. this is this is me going out there like to test my metal as an artist. Didn't think anything super special was gonna happen. Um, and weird shit keeps on happening. I'm I'm in Du Bois, Wyoming with nobody around, and I'm sitting at a bar with like somebody from CMT and like a legendary roadie. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep on going. End up <laughs> like end up playing this like nobody's at this bar, and he, this guy's telling me like the author of the book that I read that started getting me out there. Like gave his last interview in that booth, so I'm like, "Oh shit!" He's like, "You need to go to uh, Highlight Canyon." I'm like, "Okay, I'll go to Highlight Canyon." Next day, a huge. I, mean, I did this in winter. He's like, "That's why there was nobody there." I was like, "Dude, why the hell are you in Bozeman? No musicians come out here during winter." He's like, "Yeah, I'm on a vision quest, bro." And uh, the next day, there's a huge blizzard, most snow I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, like you step outside, you're up to your shins. I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm still going." Can't see the road, can't see anything. The only way I know my way up this fucking mountain is the tree line. And I get up to the single most beautiful canyon in the entire world, deafening silence, and it's still just a blizzard. And I just sit on a park bench in the middle of like this lake. Like it literally looks like that place in X Men, like where yeah. they have to like go break Wolverine out of. Like that's yeah. what this place looks wow. like. Wow. And I stayed up there for about four hours just sitting down. And when I came off that mountain, I had. All the answers to the universe knew that everything was going to be tight and was right in the verses. Hell yeah. yeah. Wow. Dude, that gives me goosebumps. Dude, like, I fucking love that song, man. Yeah, dude. It's sick. It's, it's, inc- it's, it's incredible. Like, and the fact that there's that story behind it, dude. Like, it reminds me of like Blues Brothers, like, we're on a mission from God. Hey, we're on a mission from God. Yeah. That's exactly. what it's like, man. For sure. Dude, and then Sex and Whiskey, going down, going down all the tracks now. Where did that one come from? Sex and Whiskey was. Just a road trip anthem, dude. That that was just a fun co-write. I was having tacos with my uh, co-writer on that one. Her name's Casey Velasquez. And I was either excruciatingly hungover or something. And I don't remember what was going on. <laughs> but uh, she's, she like made some dig at me, making fun of me. And I was just like, yeah, that's me. from sex and whiskey. And she's like, huh. <laughs> I was like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day we wrote that one. It was a super quick write, and that was my first single. Um, then what one's after that? Uh, if You Don't Know has a really beautiful story with it. My mom, uh, I told the story at the show. Whenever I first moved to Nashville, my mom would always be uh, like trying to send me song ideas. And I'd be like, God damn it. And so whenever that, <laughs> whenever that didn't work, uh, she started like scripting them. So if I'd be like about ready to go back to Nashville, She'd be like, hey, I want to tell you something. If you want to go fast, you have to go alone. I'm like, mom, <laughs> like, <laughs> quit trying to write. And um, after that, I was, uh, I was seeing this one girl who I was really starting to like. And uh, like, well, my mom was like, well, have you told her yet? I was like, no, probably not going to do that. Probably just bottle up inside until something happens. <laughs> like straight millennial tactic. And she's like, yeah. Um, if you die tomorrow, the tragedy is not going to be that you didn't say it, but that she didn't get to hear it. I was like, there you go. There you go. That's what we've been looking for. <laughs> and so that was on my way to a right. So wow. we wrote that one. That's, that's if you don't know. And then um, just to wrap this whole thing up, if the, a better word, uh, the last kind of uh, the last one on the record was just, you know, is, is my favorite room in Nashville, with his, which is with uh, William Stone, the producer, and Lauren Weintraub, my favorite writer of all time. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just wanted to fuck people up that day. And Lauren brought in the idea. I think Will uh, tweaked it like just a second, and uh, we were off to the races with that one. And we didn't want to do a full song because we were pressed for time. We are like, hey, bro, let's cop out. Put a room back up, call it a work tape, call it a day. So we did that maybe 15 minutes before I went to the airport. Wow. Just one take. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, so you talk about Lauren Weintraub. Dude. Do you want to talk about her? Yeah. We can talk about Lauren. Old Red? Little yeah. Red? Let's talk about Little so Red. How, so, how, so how'd you meet her? I met Lauren at around at Alley Taps my first like month in town and instantly, viscerally hated her. <laughs> Just because she's that On good. On principle of how good. I was like, 
fuck you. Yeah. You serious? And then you find out, like, at the time, she, I think she was, like, 18 or 19. So then I'm like, double fuck you. Are you serious? <laughs> and then, but we both really like the same type of music. We're all about, like, not pulling any punches and just really fucking people up. Yeah. So we Right there really with that. Well. Yeah. Any artist. Oh, yeah, dude. She's, uh... She's gonna be ginormous, dude. Yeah, I, my first time seeing her was um, we used we hang out at Belcourt Taps quite a bit, yeah, yeah. and um, good buddies with a lot of the folks over there. And um, SJ McDonald was one of the first people that got me going over there, and she was like, "You got to come watch my friend Lauren." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay." So I showed up, and I was just blown away. Like, oh, what yeah. the fuck? She'll piss you off. Well, I I don't sing or anything like that, so <laughs> I just appreciate it, man. And it, it's it's it's. It's incredible what what kind of voice can come out of that little tiny ginger body. Absolutely, dude. And I gotta say, it's it's like a uh, <laughs> you're breaking up. Boudreaux breaking out <laughs> bottle <laughs> number two. Dude, dude. Here we go. Um, I mean, I didn't pour as heavy as I'd poured for you, so I appreciate that. Um, no, man, it's that's one of those people who I would just be like stoked to be on a first name basis and drink with. But the fact that I get to write with her is sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, so who are some other people in town that you're kind of like your circle of, of people that you like to write with and, and hang, the, have good times with? Or you, you seem like the kind of guy that's like all you're. You've kind of got like a bunch of different circles because like your influences and what you're into is like a little all over the place. My my circle, if we're gonna talk about writing circles, my circles whenever I write for other people are is much bigger than like, hey, we're writing for like me today. Yeah. Um. But I think my biggest blessing in town has been able to write with the people I respect and like love the most. Like, like I, I like people whose music I knew before I knew them. That's the coolest thing for me. Yeah. Like to be like to be in the rooms with those people now. Um, William Stone, Lauren Weintraub, uh, Nicole Miller is a badass. Yes. She oh, just dropped. Yeah. You all have you all had her on? We haven't had her on yet, dude. After this whole thing blows over, man, you all got to get her in. Uh, her new EP is absolute fuego, um, and then uh, Joy Beth Taylor is another yep, right yep. that I absolutely Sorry, loved. Actually, right? our last episode was Joy Beth and uh, Hunter Girl. Hunter Girl. Yeah, we had oh, them yeah, on, yeah, we had yeah, them yeah. on together. We cracked open a bottle of wine and we just had a, had a good time man. with the ladies. That yeah. girl's so much fun. Yes, yeah. Um, trying to think of who else I, I really like. Um, I think there's I mean, it's all of them, right? Uh, my buddy uh, Spencer Jordan is a really, really great pop writer. So he's like, any single time I have like a pop writer, I'm just like, I, like he's literally become a safety blanket. Like Spencer, I need you in your like for melodies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Quint Collins is another great write that I really love. Me and him have been turning out some really, really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. um, and then his mom, which I always joke, I want to get a shirt that says "I write with Quint Collins' mom." Uh, Robin <laughs> Collins is an amazing, amazing writer. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, also get to write with Kaylee Shore, and she's so much fun. Dude, to dude, to watch again. We have we have Kaylee's poster from Feb from uh, Friday, hey, April seventh of like twenty sixteen. I think that is. That's how long that. That's coming up on four years ago. And to see where where she's gone and her style of just bringing those emo like '90s kid vibes yeah. to to the kind of the label of country music and seeing where her most recent project has gone, mm-hmm. it's so cool to like watch you guys really jumping outside the box of what of people talking about boots and trucks and yeah. beer and this and that, like talking about the real shit. It's so cool, dude. I was talking to her about this because like, uh, rock, so Will Stone guy who did my record and then robin collins are also heavy writers on uh will was on one but robin wrote a lot uh with her for her record open book so whenever it came out i was like oh super cool let's check this out and i was like this record is dope and i really like it I was like where the hell do you put this in country so i like on that on that premise like discarded it like as far as like the Nashville thing goes and it's like, it's like where are you gonna put it it's like right in the fucking top of New York Times like yeah. Yeah. I was like that's yeah. where it fucking goes yeah. Yeah. man it's good it's gonna, it's amazing yeah people that enjoy music are just gonna yeah. enjoy it and again it's just the lyrics and it's like talking about a chapter chapter of her life you know you really find out a lot about just like we find out a lot about you with your yeah. music like it's dope Dude, that yeah, her, that record open book is just brave, edgy, and badass. I love it so much. I listen to it all the time. Brave, edgy, and badass. That's a big. That's a big thing. That's what people are starting to do more in this town. Seriously, you got it. Yeah. 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 So one of my like, one of the guys that like me and Matt, whenever we were listening to you, obviously said like Rustin Kelly. Mm-hmm. Somebody else you remind me though of is another Austin-based guy that I love. Matt doesn't really know of him, but I'm he's about to release a new album, and I'm really anticipating it. Uh, David Ramirez. 
Do you ever listen to him? Fuck, no. That's going to change today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the way home, dude. Yeah. Uh, Fables, that, okay. that album. He's like a guy that's just like, you know. David I, the Rimmel. first time I saw him was at, um, what's the one that's above Cannery? High Watt. Yes. The High Watt. First time I ever saw him was at the High Watt. It was two and a half hours of him and his acoustic guitar. And okay. that was it. Dude. And he live recorded the whole thing and then sent it to you in the way that he did his fan base, which was at the time, this was like 2016, 2017. So at the time, mm-hmm. this was like revolutionary kind of thing. Um, he called it the mixtape tour. I've heard of this. Yeah. So he like basically set up a site that like you could say, hey, I have Nashville's like mixtape. Like I have his show. I want the one from Charlotte, North Carolina, or I want the one from Austin, or I want the one from, you know, Montana or wherever he went. He did like seventy dates on this tour. How did he? How did he give it to him? MP3. He dropboxed it to you. He got your email. Fuck. So off. he got your email. This is, you're gonna love this advertising. He got your email. You got the show, and he connected his fan base. So now it's just for a fifteen dollars a ticket. It was one of those things where I did, I had just gotten into him. Like, I just discovered him, but I was like, fuck it, it's $15. If he sucks, it's $15. Oh, well. I need you to take this off of the podcast so whenever I do this, people realize I, I don't think I steal it because that's so brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. No, it's, it's, that's an organic, but, like, grassroots way. But here's the thing, though, that was really brilliant about this is he was about to go record a new album. He knew it. Okay. And, like, dude, there was, like, Six or seven songs, I was like, I gotta have that Listen, song. Yeah, yeah. And I kept searching, kept searching, and the only place I could find it was the files that I had. Okay. And like he started off the song with this one. It's called Telephone Lover. It's on his new album. Um, We're Not Going Anywhere. Or Watching from the Distance. I forget mm-hmm. it's it's one of those names. Um, but it's called Telephone Lover, and it's like talking about like loving somebody that like lives over in London and like bringing them back to the States and like you know, the la- yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the last lines is like, you know, if they really care about you, they'll call. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll call if they care about you. And, like, it was just, like, one of those things where I was, like, at the time I was dealing with a breakup or about to deal with a breakup of a girl that I knew was going to Ireland at the time for mm-hmm. grad school. Mm-hmm. And we had been dating for over a year, and, like, it was just kind of tearing me apart. And that song just, like, ripped open all the wounds and, like, you know, it just made me really deal with it. But then a year later, he released it on the album, and I was like, that's why I couldn't find it. So he was yeah. testing, and every night was like different sets. So he played songs that he might have only played one time, and he was testing his new market to see it's how. Brilliant. It's like you pull off beta testing on a grassroots level. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just beta tested your entire audience, and they thought you were just being, like, wholesome. That's fucking insane. And it was one of those yeah. things where it was a packed room, and everybody, like, it's the... Like Matt and I can attest to this at the writers. I'm like, people talk in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I went to him as a full band show, and there was yeah. some dude that I know from Guitar Center that was talking the whole time. And I went in the next time and I asked him for my money back because he was being a fucking asshole. <laughs> he was literally like talking so loud that you couldn't under, like, yeah. he was talking over the band playing in, uh, what's the other room up there? It's Henry, not Henry, 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 Merc- Mercy. 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 Boom. There we go. Yeah. To it. So he was in Mercy that time playing full band, and he was talking over the band playing. Like, you could hear him, and he was, like, five rows back people. What a jabroni. Yeah, so, like... Fucking jabronis, man. The next time I, you know, it was, like, that type of thing. But, like, yeah. um, It was brilliant, but... That's really fucking smart. Yeah. Really really fucking smart. Oh, what I was saying, though. Sorry, I lost my my train of thought. It's all right. We're we're on glass number two. It's okay. But, yeah. No, we're (laughs) good. Um, (laughs) uh, Coronavirus. St. Paddy's Day, man. St. Paddy's Day quarantine. St. Paddy's Day, coronavirus, quarantine. I was supposed to be wearing a kilt today. Yeah, I know. I wanted to get into that because uh, being from up north, St. Paddy's Day, I got a lot of buddies that are like O'Neills and O'Fallies and Cummings and O'Briens and Hangleys and all these fucking (laughs) Mick bastards. And they love wearing their, like St. Paddy's Day. It's a two weekend holiday where everybody's just in fucking kilts and the bagpipes get me going. You could ask, you could ask my roommates. Oh yeah. Like I'll wake up sometimes and the first thing I'll play is like Dropkick Murphy's playing like Cadence to the Arms or something. The bagpipes just get me going. I want to make a statement. I came up with this right now, but I want to make like, this pro- proclamation. 
Bagpipes are the pedal steel of Europe. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, and, I, and I've been making the joke to, to a lot of buddies that, that like bagpipes for me up north is like the fiddle down. Like, I mean, we just love them. We, if we oh, could yeah. put bagpipes in anything and everything, if Biggie Smalls somehow, they put a bag, bagpipes in a Biggie Smalls mixtape, I'd, I'd fucking love it. So I went, from New York. went to Boston last fall for just a, we were like six weeks on the road. We were finally taking a weekend mm-hmm. off and it was like six weeks of like three day weekends, like long ass trips, like all this kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what? Like I've got a little bit of money ahead. Like I'm just going to go to Boston. I wanted to go. So I like planned the trip and got to eat like lunch one day in the, Mur- in the bar that uh job kick Murphy's like fucking a. got huge in, but it's a, they, it's a tiny little bar. Isn't yeah, it? It's, it's, crazy. it's a little hole in the wall. It's actually America's first sports bar. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Bagpipes, dude. But I walked outside and there was people just walking down the street playing bagpipes. And I was like, what's going on? Well, it's the most interesting thing in the world because here's this like, how the fuck do you make a bag? Like, it it used to be like, what is it? Like a, it's sort of like a spleen or a sack. Yeah. 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 But there's something weird about. You have to fill it up with air. Yeah. Like a man in a kilt with this really weird ass fucking instrument. But something like, as soon as you see a guy with a bagpipe, that guy's going to fuck something up. Yeah. Or people around him are going to fuck something up. It is not a docile instrument. No, no not at all. Uh, not at all. One of my old baseball coaches actually in like summer league was a bagpipe player for funerals for like... Uh, well, in that regard, it's a docile instrument. I apologize. Yes, yes. But he was like <laughs> yeah. he was like the guy that would go play at like military funerals and he was That's like really cool. yeah. Marine and like all this kind of stuff. So very, like, very cool. He yeah. would also fuck shit up if it had to, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, man. So, so some other some some uh, so for your influences, it seems yeah. like they're they're kind of like all over the place. I'm anticipating you're a big like '80s rock guy, uh, like power uh, riffs and uh, stuff. Kind of. So, um, I definitely I have to have the riffs. Like, there has to be dynamics in it, which is so funny that I got into like the singer songwriter thing. Sorry if I'm not talking about it enough. Um, no, you're fine, bud. So, uh, I got into music. Like, we was like, hey, I. I love music. I want to be involved in it, learning and stuff from ACDC. So instantly riff driven. But the stuff that I was like always fed as a kid was very, very singer songwriter stuff. Okay. Um, so my favorite band of all times is Guns N' Roses, but that's not like where I pull my stuff from. So like my influences, if I had to like my biggest one, like Jackson Brown, my dad knew exactly what he was doing whenever he was playing me that as a kid. Jackson Brown's solo acoustic record changed my life. Um, and then Senses Fail, which is like a straight emo punk band. Yeah. That was the band that taught, I was like, hey, I'm going to write music now. And then Mayday Parade was like the head of the album Lesson in Romantics, which was insane. Uh, that's like a master class in writing. That's where you get like my kind of like um, pithy, emo, sad boy one liners. Um, and then. I gotta be honest, Rust, Rustin is a huge influence. I got to meet Rustin whenever the day his album came out. It was at a show at Grimey's. Fanboyed super hard. <laughs> I wanted to go to that so bad. Man, I had tickets. Dude. And I was dating a girl at the time that like just kept complaining about having to stand the whole time. Yeah. And eventually led me not going, which uh, I freaking hate. And we broke up soon after. But anyways, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you can see me in all of the videos. So he re- really? Yeah, he, re- right there. he recorded all of them. And then I'm, I'm just like staring him down the entire time. But I think... Um, I don't mind when people say I sound like him. Like I listen to that album so much, like I'm it's it's bound to happen. But for me personally, what Rustin did for me in town was he made this town make sense to me. After I heard that record, I quit chasing and I quit trying to sound country. Cause I was like, if this motherfucker can like do some emo shit, then I'll be goddamn if I don't start doing some emo shit. Cause that's what do you who think I about am. his newest one where he like went full emo on it? Um, I think that's dope. I think it's awesome what he did. I only have one complaint about that record is like I really want him to hit the high note on uh, <laughs> Helena. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he kept it pretty low five, which is sick. But his new record's gonna smash. It's gonna be awesome. But then um, at the, one of the biggest gifts this town uh, gave to me was um, just knowledge of who Jason Isbell is. You know, knowing who that cat is. I mean, oh yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna confess something, to y'all, right now. I never listened to Southeastern all the way through until mm. 2018. Wow. Mm. I mean, I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't either. Ugh. So, like, it's for dicks. Yeah. I, yeah. I came into him not in Southeastern, but the next album. Okay. Uh, Nothing More Than Free. Yeah. Oh, also fantastic. Yeah. I came into him, honestly, my, the song that 
got me in was Speed Trap Town. Mine too, dude. Yeah. Well, other than like covering me up, but as soon as I heard Speed Trap, well, I was like, like it was on a playlist that I was listening to. Like I think it was Spotify, like Daily Mix, and it came into Speed Trap Town. And dude, like I just I literally sat there and like played that song over and over, and I was like, who is this guy? When and that started finding. It was a mama causes heart attack. Fuck me. Yeah, dude. And uh, when that still comes in. Oh, out of nowhere. That man did. Dude. Dude. Uh, yeah. So I've seen him <laughs> 10 times now at the Ryman. Really? Yeah. He, that year he, that, he, he the year that I found him, mm-hmm. I went to every show that year at the Ryman. Well, he has my favorite guitar story of all time now. So do you all know about yeah. like Red Eye? Yep. Okay. So. Ed King's Les Paul, 59 Les Paul. I'm a nerd. Like, so the things like, I will not. Matt, you messed up getting me and him in a yeah. room. I'm sorry. I was like, seriously, like I will, I can talk about bourbon guitars like for forever. Um, but dude, this is gonna be a four hour podcast now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> they. Uh, but have you heard this story? No. Okay, so uh, Ed King passes away. Carter's uh, his wife gives the collection to Carter's. Um, they bring uh, Jason into quote unquote demo some guitars. Yeah, he gets his hands on Red Eye, and he's like those bastards like they're trying to sell me this thing so i had some i knew somebody who was in the store when this was whole this whole thing was going down he starts like pacing around the store and what he was doing was he, he called his accountant and i was like and he's like no you can't you can't fucking buy that guitar you you have no way of doing that yeah he's like he's like okay fine i won't buy it hung up called his manager i need 20 celebrity birthday parties this year <laughs> and bought red eye for a rumored seven hundred fifty thousand dollars yes jeez Seven hundred fifty thousand. Well, like you gotta think, like a fifty nine Les Paul is like on principle six figures. Yes, on a, a fifty nine Les Paul, a fifty seven Strat, and a fifty two Telecaster or no caster mm-hmm. or broadcaster because it went by a few different names. But if you can find one of those guitars for sale, you're gonna pay for a no caster broadcaster. You're gonna pay at least like what, probably forty to sixty. Yeah, for a like fifty seven strat, you're gonna pay about the same. They don't just don't hold the value that a mm-hmm. fifty nine Les Paul is like. That's the guitar that Jimmy Page plays. That's the guitar Clapton. Uh, Clapton. Okay, so this is Clap. a guitar that's got. This some is like the mecca of okay. guitars. Okay. Yeah, it's what it's what Gibson's been chasing since then. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, think about it. It's what now. 61 years later, and they are still chasing, trying to get that same guitar. And they've never been closer. The the 60th anniversary Les Pauls that they're doing from the custom shop right now are absolutely fucking brilliant. Yes. Yeah. But no, like, yeah. Uh, I think I've seen a 59 Les Paul that wasn't tied to anybody. It was just like a closet collector. $350,000. I saw it for 120. Okay. But this was like also like 2012, 2015, that era. Coronavirus had yet to strike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, damn, that's, they are just that's awesome. It's kind of like the same thing with, uh, God, what's the amp company? Uh, Mayor plays them. Um, oh, you're talking about like the Rumble, Dumbles? Rumble, Dumbles, yeah, yeah. Dumbles. The Dumble Overdrive. They've got one actually sitting at Carter's that is $100,000. Damn. And they, they demand that. No, we're, no, I mean, it's um the the gear stuff, dude. And I've I've started to see again coming from like a radio background. All I needed to worry about was a damn microphone. So, like, oh, yeah, you got. And now he the, bought a good one. Now but, I bought a good one. They call this one the donkey dick. It's like an RE twenty or something. Yeah, that's the cheap RE twenty. Yeah. So, but now I got a donkey dick that I get to talk into. Tyler was <laughs> like, "You, Tyler's the one that ordered it for me," and he was like, "I'm ordering you the donkey dick," and I'm like, "Nice, man." <laughs> Cause you're an ass. Well, <laughs> 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 boom. Hey, are you are you on Twitter at all? Absolutely not. No, oh, absolutely not. No, I'm really? gonna have fun. Anything bad that's ever happened to any dude ever has gone down on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you've never had it. I just I, I don't feel as um political or like have like enough opinions to be on Twitter. Okay. I'm just teasing. It's like um I just don't know what I'd say. I'd just be like. Have you heard that story about Jason Isbell's 59 Les Paul? <laughs> um, yeah, See what my yeah, last tweet yeah, was. Yeah, what we usually do is we, so we Tyler's got a few Twitter troll accounts. I tweeted yesterday. Oh, I yeah? He goes oh, after. Oh, I tweeted a good one yesterday. He, he, goes, after, he goes after people on, on, this, on this alias So this was account. like, this is my personal oh, account. Oh, personal This one? is something that people can go follow at Tyler Lassard 541. Oh, <laughs> this is a good account. 
it's going to be funny to go back to college in 15 to 20 years to finally finish my degree and hear all the kids study this time in our history. Hashtag Corona 2020. Love it. Fuck, dude. Yeah, Love. people. Because, like, I, I was going for a business degree. I've got, like, 148 hours. I Hell still yeah, need, man. like, six classes to graduate. But, like... I'm doing what I love, so of course, dude. And I'm also not paying out of pocket for college anymore, <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah. What was UT like? What's UT Austin like? Cause we, I want to be completely honest because we play a lot of college. That's the main UT campus, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's Hookem, like that's Hookem, yeah. Matthew McConaughey, all the burn did you, did you ever see Matthew, Matthew McConaughey Mc- while oh, you were there? Let's talk yeah. about Matthew oh, real McConaughey quick, real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Smoke pot with Matthew McConaughey. No, I'm kidding. Not really. <laughs> I was going to say high five, bro. <laughs> Me, Johnny Hopkins, and Matthew McConaughey are blazing that <laughs> shit up every night. Oh, no, man. he was everywhere. So this was before he became an official ambassador and professor. Uh, and you know, uh, he's also an ambassador of Wild Turkey. Yes, he is. Hey, Matt. Um, <laughs> but no, he he was always at every single game. You could always see him in the uh, you know the lounges, uh, the the suites and stuff. And just what a spirit. <laughs> just, that spirit. just staring that bottle while turkey down man yeah damn dude yeah no that does that does look but those look delicious um no austin austin was sick um i'm i it took me a long time to really think of music and education the same way because i always saw it as two separate paths like it was either like hey there's school and then there's music it didn't strike me until I got to this town, despite how many times people told me to go to Belmont or go to school for music. It was like, I always thought that was something like different. Like I was either going to go to school to get a good job or I was going to go, you know, play in my band with in a van, like for as long as it took. Um, so I went to school and was super into school. Like I wanted to become the most badass like advertiser in the entire world. And did a bang up job of it, man. I, you know, got to work some great internships, some great jobs. Uh, you know, what I did in Austin landed me at Jack Daniels. It was great. Uh, Jack Daniels got me to, you know, Nashville. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of music going on in Austin until my last year there when I started writing for a record. Um, so it was always completely different. But now whenever I'm looking at like the stuff, whenever I'm releasing songs, and I wouldn't say like I'm a master at it, but I definitely I'd say I'd like independently know how to release a single pretty well. And all of that, especially what I do around town, is all because of like creative thinking, like in advertising. Like I I, I might say I'm a better music marketer than I'm a musician. <laughs> like I'd, I'd go ahead and say that for sure. But but that helps you out so much with getting getting stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, there's a lot of people that. All they know is picking guitar, or all they know is this. They don't understand that other side of things. Oh, that's just so much more authentic, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, what, no, but I mean, I mean, it is, but like, it, it helps you when you know when mm-hmm. you know how to get your stuff out there to people. Like that, that's a yeah. huge thing to help you. Well, I think it's so funny. Like, uh, it, it sounds so not contrived, but it sounds uh, so manny, like businessy, to talk about music this way. But it's like. If you release music with without really really thinking about that type of stuff, it's like going out and you know buying the bullets without the gun. So, like my like kind of rule of thumb for releasing music now is, you know, get into the studio with the best people you can, you know, for as little money as possible because whatever you're going to spend on a song, you need to be ready to double for what you're going to do, you know, when it comes to releasing that guy. And also, you know, you're, the follow-up on that has is, is all you until you have people working for you. So as soon as you release a single, you need to be ready to put four to six solid weeks of pimping that right now. Now, that's yeah. Yeah. for sure. I know, like, whenever I was, like, first moved to town, it was probably the first, like, four weeks I was in town. We got, I'm not going to name names, but we got pulled over to a uh, very prolific Christian. I came up in the Christian world, so mm-hmm. I um, know that more, I guess. But I got pulled over to a very prolific Christian writer's house mm-hmm. for a barbecue, which was great. It was a lot of fun. Fucking love a barbecue. But at one point in the night, she sat at the piano, and she said, I'm going to be real with y'all. If you want to get a song that's going to be as big as anything I've written with the songs that I've had cut, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you $50,000 in studio time. It's going to cost you at least $100,000 in radio 
gross. Yeah, which is just yeah. crazy. Which is why I love the way that the in, uh, that's working now with mm-hmm. where people you don't need all that. Like like Mm-mm. now the the accessibility of music we've never had this much accessibility to once again people's stuff. This was 2013. Yeah, so seven yeah, seven years ago. Like yeah. Now, now and now look forward. where we came in seven years of to where I have a rig right here where I can record and master off of. Oh yeah. For a pretty good quality uh EP. I'm a strong believer that Nashville needs to switch over to the rap business model as soon as possible. I got into that for a little bit. With, with SoundCloud and things like that. Okay. I am not an authority on this, but this is what I... God, this is like what bourbon... Like, yeah, like, no, no, it's all good, buddy. No, it's all good. Uh, it's so, great. as far as I know, take an A-list uh, country singer. I think the number I heard is like to get them to show up. An A-list country singer just so is like thirty dollars to $50,000. Like, oh, that's, it, that's minimum. Say, say, say Dirks, right? Like, yeah. for Dirks to be up, there's probably like $40,000 minimum, right? Your like SoundCloud rapper who's just now popping off fifty thousand dollars to show up. Can you imagine like just now like getting like a single like out in Nashville that like hits a million streams, and all of a sudden like I want fifty thousand dollars coming to your party. But the the infrastructure is completely different. Like we're still clutching onto the cash cow of radio. Yeah. Meanwhile, like I don't know. I just feel as though it's time for a change. Yeah, no, and dude, I'm with you. And again, I came up in the the radio circuit. Like yeah. that's what I that's what I wanted to do and what I did. And now you see what like what happened with iHeart. They just laid off like 1,100 people like yeah. two months ago. Like the whole structure of everything is just changing. So. How long are you gonna be on the sinking ship? You yeah, I mean? exactly. So it's exactly, just, it's just crazy. But and that, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be very interesting in the next year to three years. I think mm-hmm. of like what takes change and how we are like progressing as a music industry now that streaming um even the guys that we're with mm-hmm. I think we have what's our number at today it's like a cr- ridiculous number of streaming like close, yeah. to, close to like a million monthly listeners and there's not a single drop of radio play exactly not a single drop or a record label no That's record bullshit. label no record label no radio play but it's something you don't need it you can sell mm-hmm. out venues in fucking chicago you can put 600 people in wichita kansas and you're 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 a freaking indie duo yeah. from nashville like you don't need this this monster conglomerate you don't need the man anymore you can do it yourself you're exactly right i mean it's so it's especially because nashville is such a community and we're all here chasing the same thing that it kind of puts us all in the same like hierarchy right so we all want to celebrate each other and we want every Everybody to get record deals but if we really had like more tyler childers more like chance the rapper country artist more oh, jason isbel i think uh, do it you know right yeah yeah it'd be cool dude i i would i'd totally be children's another it. guy i love i have yet so to good. see him live but like he it's only yeah. because i've been out of town every time he's come to town and he doesn't come to nashville that much oh, he doesn't have i want to go see him in kentucky Oh, dude, that'd be rowdy as hell. So every so every single time I go to see him here, it's always with a whole bunch of people from Eastern Kentucky, and it's the most fun shit in the entire world. They oh, all yeah. sh- they all show up in their overalls. They bring like their homemade moonshine, which is like sitting at hundred and fifty proof, which makes Jimmy Russell shit look like baby juice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is no offense, uh, Jimmy. Yeah. Sitting at like what one ten? One oh one. One oh one. And oh, they just get you sauce, but they're so excited because they all knew Tyler. Like my buddy, like used to pay Tyler. A bottle of KG, which if you don't know, it's just like rot gut $6.175 whiskey. <laughs> and like a pack of cigarettes to sit at his like frat parties and just jam on the porch. Because wow. he's like, at dude, UK. that's when I wanted to see him too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the element I want like, to see. I, that guy I've been into Tyler for like years now. Oh, yeah, man. Like it's one of those things where like I found out of him very early on. And uh, yeah. That would have been that would have been the days to see him too. Yeah. Uh, he's now on the tour with Sturgill. Actually, they're coming up in uh, May to Bridgestone. If that shit gets canceled. Hopefully, hopefully I'll see dude. that show in a hazmat it's suit. Like, yeah, have yeah. You, yeah. Have you? How are you with like booking and stuff with going out? Are you out gigging quite a bit now, or like, no, or I, were you, or like what's that been like? like I, are your I was, gigs affected. I was looking at the biggest show I'd probably played as Sam Varga. It had my hometown release show, and I got this venue, and it was like. Like I think it's like 250, 300 cap, and I was getting worried about it because I thought it was going to get shut down, not because of coronavirus, but because we oversold it. Huh. And I was like, 
oh, this is going to be fucking sick. And then I was like, I'm going to fucking cancel this because people are sick. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to reschedule it right now, but yeah, that, that one stung. Um, it remains to be seen if I should have done the EP release show, but we did it anyway, and it was pretty cool. I mean, um, all I'm saying no fallout is... from there since then. We had a lot of booze, so I feel as though everything was mostly sterile. Yeah. I, yeah. I lie-sold the place out. Hey. Uh, <laughs> come on, give me something for it. <laughs> that, I mean, was hey, dude, that was good. All you have to do is have like 120 proof whiskey, and you're good. That, that's what I'm saying. I was telling everybody because... Um, I've got, like, three bottles at home, actually. Yeah, like, if you, if you want to make your own uh, hand sanitizer, like, because, like, hand sanitizer's gone, and then the ingredients for hand sanitizer are gone, all you need is some aloe vera and some Everclear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, very, very good. I do- have a bottle of Everclear at home, very, actually. Very good yourself. <laughs> we used to put Everclear in a bottle of Sky Vodka. Wow. Because oh, girls, girls in college would always come over to our place to pregame, and they'd always just break into our good liquor. So we put all the good liquor right out front, and we put Everclear in everything. So if you went for a bottle that you didn't ask for, Fucking got ever clear. So yeah, <laughs> don't touch our shit. So one one quick side note. Yeah, yeah. There's this thing. The first time I graduated college, I graduated with a worship and theology degree. Oh fuck yeah, man. Yeah, dude. So you know the most Christian thing. But that night, I had some friends that wanted to party. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll come over to your house. Well, they made something they called jet fuel. I'm already in. <laughs> Are you? This is back Got when you one, walking on water afterwards. This was uh, something <laughs> like that. This is back whenever uh, Wild Turkey One Fifty One was still legal. Thought that was Wild Turkey had a One Fifty One. I thought that was Bacardi. No, Wild Turkey had one for a little bit. Oh, uh, we should. Go and back. somebody died. We should go back. So Wild Turkey One Fifty One. Okay. Everclear. Uh. And. A uh, rum. We had just had Captain Morgan's, like the strongest Captain Morgan's they make. So you take those three and equally split them a third into a red solo cup. Yeah, that sounds like jet fuel. That sounds like <laughs> definitely <laughs> I had two of those level. in two and a half hours. I'll turn you into a fucking dragon, dude. You could dude, light your I breath was sitting, on fire. <laughs> I was sitting on an ottoman in their house, and I like leaned forward a little bit and just kept going and. Falling, face planted, and then crawled to bed. And that was the like second or third time I was ever drunk. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty wild, dude. But still wasn't hungover though. Yeah, man. So for the rest of 2020, now it's it's crazy. Like we don't know what the future holds, but what were your your plans for this year in terms of music and stuff? Uh. (laughs) <laughs> or is it pretty much jam? Or is it pretty much jam? Jam? Go check out the EP right now. I or? hadn't, I hadn't gotten past the EP. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely like a what do I do now? Yeah. Um, no, I'm gonna pimp that for a really long time. I really want to get some more one-offs because I'm at the point now where, if you're if you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, is you know touring is really really expensive. Yes. Um, so am I gonna put stuff? And I'm, I'm I, I, I want to get out and play. I want to you know definitely like do this shit like. For real, because as soon as I'm like, if I'm not hustling in a van or like going out and playing shows, I'll always kind of feel like a kid, like borderline poser. Because there's like that's how all my heroes went out and did it was like with a van and their friends. You yeah. know what I mean? I just whenever you're not like in a high school band with all your buddies splitting the cost, it gets expensive. Because you know Nashville, you know musicians have to eat. Um, but then, so I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm gonna put money into like one offs and doing a little tour this summer, or if I'm just gonna have to like hunker down in Nash and wrap my ass off again for the next project and put some, you know, money into like doing some digital stuff like music videos. Yeah. Um, I just want to get better, man. I need to get better at my instrument. I need to, I'm always trying to get better at writing. Um, I, I want to kind of start writing for a full length. Um, I, you know, whenever I first came to town, I really wanted a publishing deal. I really wanted a, a record label and stuff. And now I just, just want money. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever I need to do, like, you know, gigging out or stuff. So, um, that's kind of what I'm looking at it from now. It's it's not chasing the arbitrary stuff as much as I'm just. I want to. I want to be good. I, I want the songs to be really good. I, I want to you know learn my instruments better. Uh, you know, so kind of just hunkering into the groove. You know, I'm. I plan on 
doing this for my entire life. So yeah, I, I think you definitely can. Yeah, you, you I, got you got some. You're oh, a talented, thanks, man. You're a talented motherfucker, dude. You. You're you're a talented motherfucker, dude. So, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. It's it's been an absolute blast having you, man. Oh like, fuck yeah, man. I could had, do this all day. We've had we've had a pleasure doing this, dude. And um, so where can people go to find you and find yourself? You can find me anywhere. Uh, I guess except for Twitter, <laughs> um, but it's uh, <laughs> dang uh, Instagram, Sam Varga Music. Same thing on Facebook. Uh, there's gonna be a shit ton more YouTube stuff coming out, but I already got some stuff up there uh spotify stream the hell out of that new ep dude i do it like seriously go yeah, out there real. if y'all haven't checked it out light me up it is it, it's been lighting us up seriously oh, thanks, it's been fucking awesome I appreciate and, it. and we always wrap this thing up um with having our guests play something for us so yeah for sure. if you wouldn't yeah. mind yeah we'll, 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 we'll have you grab the guitar in just okay. a second cool. um what song you want to play for us today um, well, I didn't know I was supposed to bring a guitar until I was already on my way. So I have my uh, high strung with me, uh, which is going to sound pretty cool. So the one I always do on the high strung is like a so like a Nashville tuning, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah buddy. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Nashville tuning is you buy a 12, uh, 12 string guitar pack, mm-hmm. but instead of using the like regular strings, you use all the high strings, so it's strung up an octave. Oh shit! Carter's guitars already has a, a whole pack. They just call the Nashville one. You go on yeah, I don't need to split the pack. It's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know they had that, but yeah, there you that's, go. that's right, pretty cool. great. So, what song do you play when this this higher level? Uh, I'm I'm gonna do like I never left. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah yeah. Hell yeah! Sweet cool. Hell yeah, dude. Well, episode 40, Tyler. It's been freaking awesome, dude. It's been awesome. It's been almost a year, right? It's been almost, it's been Fuck now yeah, a little bit, now probably a little bit over a year. Yeah. Congratulations. Which is crazy. Thank yeah. you, man. Um, Thank you, man. And, uh, yeah. and, um, thank you everybody for listening as always. Um, it's, it's crazy right now. We're hammering out episodes and all this quarantine stuff. We'll figure out Tyler's back from Texas. I might be going back up North. We're figuring everything out. Um, Live Oak, our good friends over there have put a hold on events and being open with all the craziness. Which that's is being going smart. On, which is being smart, which we're totally all about and stuff. But we'll let y'all know when, uh, when our next writer's round is going to be. We'd love to have Sam Varga on one of those oh, writer's yeah. rounds because it'd be great to have you and some friends up there just playing some, playing some original music. Oh, we'll get dude. it, dude, for sure. Oh, absolutely. So you I think during this whole thing, I'm also... So we had a uh, resident redneck that was supposed to work on our website. I think during this whole thing, when I'm quarantined, I'm just going to learn coding real quick. So, <laughs> so, so, so Boudreaux will build a website for y'all to go check out. Check out content. Be productive, you know. But, learn uh, something. Yeah, but as always, y'all can find us at In The Round Podcast. We're on Twitter at In The Round Pod. In The Round on Facebook. We got some shit up on YouTube. And uh, y'all make sure to keep checking out those episodes. Uh, we're, we're all going to get through this coronavirus bullshit. And uh, we're enjoying our St. Paddy's Day. Me and Boudreaux got our Bucky shirts on. Boudreaux's got his Good bourbon. as gold. We got Bucky's nuggets. We're having a damn good time. And... Um, Best wishes to everybody out there with, with all that's going on and whatnot. Everybody stay positive. Now, without further ado, and let our buddy Sam Varga take over on the In the Round podcast. There's just one bar on Main Street that's had ten different names. If I walked in there, pulled up a chair, it'd be like nothing changed. And I know every stop sign. I can run back to my house Cause the cops don't give a damn Unless you're from out of town I could've sworn I went so far Just three turns And I was right back in the side yard And everything's right where I left it Nothing more than the seasons changed Hear a small town joke, I get it Nothing's been funny since 98 Well I could go and change the world I could get a new address But it's nice to come back home and feel Just like I never left When I'm here I'm always looking People I don't want to see Cause to them I ain't done nothing Less they've seen it on TV They don't care where I've been Cause I ain't been around Yeah, they buried me at 23 That's the day I left this town And everything's right where I left it Nothing more than the seasons change Hear a small town joke, I get it Like nothing's been funny since 98 
Well, I could go and change the world, I could get a new address But it's nice to come back home and feel just like I never left That's all I've ever been Might be all I'll ever be But for better or for worse They know the best and worst of me And everything's right where I left it Glad to see that nothing's changed And everything's right where I left it Nothing more than the seasons changed Hear a small town joke, I get it Cause nothing's been funny since 98 Well I could go and change the world I could get a new address But it's nice to come back home and feel Just like I never left